Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. Lord, we can't live this life apart from you without you. Lord, we so desperately need you. Keep us humble, broken, and desperate. Keep us usable for your kingdom and for your glory. Again, may your Holy Spirit speak. I pray also, Lord, for those watching on live stream, those that will hear later on the radio or on YouTube or somewhere else, Lord. And I pray that your word will continue to We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, good thing with that fridge behind me, I got a loud voice. But you didn't even hear me because I was on so loud, did you? All right, 2 Kings chapter 7. So Kings, as we know, we've been talking about this, is that transition time. You know, the, we saw the time of the law and the prophets. And here are the kings, and these kings, sadly, most of them, almost all of them have been very wicked. And they've turned their back on God. And because of their embracing of, of idolatry, because of their embracing of just all the things that are of the world, back on God, God has been bringing righteous judgment upon them. And so now we've seen, as we know from back when Solomon rebelled, that Israel was torn into two parts. The 10 northern nations are Israel. The two southern nations where Jerusalem is, is Judah. And so because of that, we've seen this even fighting amongst the children of Israel. And we've seen that sadly, that uh, once Ahab and Jezebel came along, and now we have their son, one of their sons ruling in, in Israel, we just see the depths of wickedness beyond belief. Now, because of that, God continues to bring judgment. But what we need to understand is when God brings judgment upon our behavior, it's an opportunity for us to repent. Amen? Those who the Lord loves, he disciplines. And we're going to see God do a miraculous work in tonight's chapter. But let's just catch up quickly. If you'll remember the, the way that the last chapter ended, it's not a real good cutoff for chapters, by the way. So what had happened was the Syrian army who had been, who had enlisted their help before and they had done, they had made trades together, but the Syrian army was just north of Israel and they were besieging the, uh, Israel. And especially every time they'd get a new king, they would think maybe they're in a moment of frailty. And when the last chapter, during the last chapter, kind of where it ended, the Syrians have, have surrounded uh, Samaria, where the capital of Israel was at the time. And they had besieged it, which meant they were keeping any food from coming in, anybody from coming in or leaving, and they're just waiting them out. And we saw last week that people began to starve. And we saw that the starvation was so bad, it was 80 shekels for a donkey's head. Now, keep in mind, a shekel is about a week's pay for a laborer. So like a year pay for a common laborer for a donkey's head, how hungry they were. And we saw that it was five shekels, which is a little pay, was for a pint of dove droppings. And that's exactly what it sounds like. You know the stuff you walk? They would get bags of that and pay a month's pay because people were starving. And then we saw that the wickedness just knew no limits. Because if you'll remember uh, two weeks ago, last time I taught, because last week Tony filled in and did a wonderful job, by the way. And we saw that two women agreed to eat, eat both of their children. You guys remember this? doesn't get any more base than that. And killed one child, ate it, and the next day they were going to eat the other child, and that mom disappeared with her child. And then they came to the king. So this is where they are. 
They're in a bad situation. They're starving to death. And again, we saw that the king was kind of mad at God and his prophets. And you know, it's amazing how we will do that. We will sin against God, we'll act contrary to his will, and then the consequences come, and then we get mad at God. God tells us, if you do this, this will happen. If you disobey me, this will happen. Then we disobey him, it happens, and then we get mad at God. Well, that's exactly what had been taking place. But in the midst of all of this wickedness, praise God, there was a small remnant among whom was a man by the name of Elisha. We're going to see more of Elisha, this prophet of God, as he speaks into the midst of this uh, wicked and perverse generation, their rebellion, their idolatry. Deuteronomy 28 warns Israel of the judgment that will come if they are not faithful to the covenant. I read it last time, but it bears repeating. Here's what it says. They shall besiege you at all gates until your high and fortified walls in which you throughout all your land, and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord has given you in the siege of desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you. So in Deuteronomy, it said, if they disobeyed the covenant of God, the promise that they have made to God, this would be the consequences. You get to second Kings six and seven, and it's exactly what God said would happen. By the way, when God tells us something will happen when we disobey him, we disobey him. That is another promise that he fulfills. So if you disobey God, the way the transgressor is hard, if we refuse to repent and accept him as our savior, we'll spend eternity in torment separated from him. So this broken covenant. So the king heard the words of this woman about their eating their own children. And he was wearing sackcloth and ashes and he was mad at God. And he said, God do so to me also. I don't have the head of Elisha, the son of Seraphath today. So here he is. He's so angry by the consequences of his sin, he wants to kill God's prophets. And the same thing, like to some degree, we're seeing it now in our country where we have consequences of our sinful choices. And then we want to get mad at God's people. Then we want to silence the church. Then we want to attack people that are standing for the truth. How dare you stand up and speak for the truth? And too too many of us have gotten afraid to stand for the truth because we're afraid that we'll be attacked by the world. Well, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake, for some prophets who went before you. They walk in rebellion, they reject God's word, they serve their own flesh, and when the consequences come, they blame God. Last week we talked about, or two weeks ago, God is watching. Now, if you have your outline for tonight, most of my outlines are very applicational. And you know, I've I've shared this with you before. I teach inductively, and that's how I teach others to teach. What does that mean? Observation, what does it say? Interpretation, what does it mean? Application, how does it apply to my life? So as we're going through the verses, you'll hear, what does it say? Then you'll hear, what does it mean? And then you'll hear how it applies to your life. Well, most of the outlines that I do, just so you know, are applicational, because I want you to take home the applications from tonight's chapter, because these are the things that we want to apply to our lives. So I tell them the message, God wants to do great things in you and through you. God wants to do great things in you and through you. He did not save you to be a couch, you know, a pew potato. He didn't save you to be a sideline Christian. He saved you to redeem you so you could be forgiven, so you could go to heaven, but also to use you for his kingdom and his glory. And the only way we can be used mildly by God is learning to trust him. 
So here are the five points we'll look at tonight. God is greater than you think. You hear me say this all the time. It bears repeating. Too often we limit God to the level of our own ability to understand. We know from the word of God, it says with God, all things are possible. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. We limit God to our ability to understand or the amount of faith that we have in him or how much we trust him. We'll pray and ask God to pray to, to heal certain things, but other things will put like beyond the Lord. I want you to know our God is greater than you think. Number two, don't focus on your human frailties, but on the greatness of our God. The reason we are not used in the way that we could be is because we limit what God can do based on our shortcomings. See, if you're doing it in your own strength, you should look at your shortcomings. Well, I'm not, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a great orator. I, I don't know how to debate unbelievers. I, don't, I can't do this. I can't do that. And here's the reality. We can't do anything. Without him, I can do what? Nothing. nothing. And the original language, the word nothing means nothing. So without him, we can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So instead of focusing on our frailties and our weaknesses and our inabilities, we need to focus on the greatness of our God and remember that we're just tools in the hands of the master. Amen. Pray for divine appointments. I don't know if we saw more of those cards here. I carry these around in my car and I give them away every day. And I just pray for divine appointment. And it's, it's amazing. I, I, I was in LA all day on sales calls and and to stop somewhere to use the restroom. And I walked in and I couldn't believe it. I thought the Hare Krishnas were all gone. <laughs> I thought they'd been gone a long time. There's this dude in all orange with the thing right in front of Target. And I'm like, well, there's the Target. Amen. <laughs> there's, a, there's a person that I have a divine appointment. My customer's a half an hour late. God knows it. And we had, you know, I'm right here. Amen. And I said, like, what's up with the orange, bro? That means something to you? It was interesting. And you know, God gives us opportunities and divine appointments. They gave one away last night at the grocery store. You know, I was talking to this guy's name's Josh. I said, Josh, Joshua, you know what Yeshua means, don't you? And we start talking about the Lord. And he said, yeah, I grew up Christian. I said, where are you going to church? He said, nowhere. I said, great, because here's a place you can go on Sunday. Amen. So I should encourage you, put some in your car, put a few in your Bible. I keep one in my back pocket and give them away. It's not that hard. Can I get an amen? What's the worst? throw back at you and they don't hurt. They're not that heavy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> All right. But don't worry about your human frailties and say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm not that gifted for that. Well, we're not. But the Bible tells us that he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So that means we're all foolish things, which means he can use us. Amen. Number three, don't keep the good news to yourself. We're going to see this in tonight's text where it would be so easy Remember, these are all starving people and it would be so easy. They're going to come across really good news and it'd be really easy just to keep it to themselves because they've been hungry. But God doesn't save us to keep it to ourselves. And again, you hear me say it often, the most, the, the most, the tra most tragic thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. And it says in 1 Corinthians, for I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. You know what? Be reminded every day that Jesus died for you, but always be mindful that he died for more than just you. Amen. Every day be thankful. Lord, thank you that you died for me. 
But don't just keep looking in the mirror. Praise God for that and be thankful for that. And we can't thank him enough, but we also need to be mindful. He didn't die just for me. He did die for me, but he died as well. We're going to see God fulfills his promise in unexpected ways. It's amazing how God will do things in ways that we don't even understand. Joshua, is it okay if I announce your situation? So, you know, we lost our building in very short notice in Calabasas. How many of you guys were attending when we were still in Calabasas? Okay. And I literally got a call like, hey, tomorrow you can't meet kind of thing. Oh, hey, great. Thanks. And we're calling around trying to find a place to meet. Then we found a place and then they said we could only meet at night, but we couldn't use the bathrooms and it was going to be dark out there. And we're like, what are we going to do? God opened the door for us to come here. And now we're here and, and they just made uh, our youth pastor, Joshua Camper, the campus pastor at this school. Yay, God. And he and I were just talking about this morning, how God brought us here by divine appointment. Amen. And when they called us, if we wanted to go back to Calabasas, all the pastors, we just looked at each other like, well, no, we're not doing that. You know, we didn't have to talk about it. You know, the, the Lord knows what he's doing. Amen. And God will move in ways that we don't even under, you can be disappointed because we got kicked out of the building with no notice, but then we see how God had another plan and God will be who directs us if we will let him. Amen. And then finally, price of unbelief. Boy, it's heavy. It's so heavy. Uh, every once in a while, I just try to, uh, I, I don't like thinking about it, but I think we need to just imagine people in hell and torment right now. And that while we're here tonight, thousands more will join them. And every believer this side of heaven should be burned for every unbeliever this side of hell. And so it's unbelief as a heavy price. So let's begin there looking at God wants to do great things in you and through you. We need to learn to trust him. Point number one, God is greater than you think. So here they are. They're starving. They're surrounded. They've been besieged. People are given a year and a half's wages for a donkey's head, a, week, a month's wages for, you know, dove. And then he says this, Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now he speaks and notice he speaks with confidence and authority. Notice he doesn't say, and my opinion is, and here's what I think could possibly happen. He says, and I love this, hear the word of the Lord. Because the word of Elisha or the word of Dave or the word of anybody else is worthless if it doesn't originate with the Lord and isn't spoken in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? So here he is, and he's making this statement with great boldness, and he's going to share with them something that from the world's perspective is impossible. They've been besieged for months. They haven't been able to leave the city or have anybody enter the city. There's nothing left to eat anywhere. People are eating their own children. It's out of control. And can you imagine in the midst of that, the prophet of God stands up and says, hey, by tomorrow, 24 hours from now, you'll be buying a bag of flour, big old bag of wheat or barley, and it's going to cost you very little. How is that possible? 
It seems impossible from the world's perspective. It seems impossible if you're living in the midst of it. How in the world? And I love how he doesn't hedge his bet. Guys, we don't have to hedge our bet with the word of God. Amen? He didn't say, well, I think this might. Like I said, he said, well, well, I, I believe this could happen. Hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow at this time, this is what's going to happen. You know, the reason that Elisha can speak with authority is because he hangs out with God. Amen? If you spend time in the word of God, you can speak authority from the word of God. Amen? And you don't doubt it. You don't question it. You open it. You read it. You obey it. You believe it. And you're unashamed of it. And the sad part is if we don't read it and we don't feel that confidence, we will hedge our bet or we'll just be quiet altogether. This is going to take an incredible turn of events. How in the world is this even possible? And he said, at the gate of Samaria. So think about this. In 24 hours, how in the world are you going to wipe out all the enemy and then get so much food that you can walk out to the gate and pay a small amount of money to walk home with enough food to feed your family for a month? When right now we're eating our children and we're, we're spending money on dove droppings. How is this, how is this going to happen? In this doesn't even seem possible. Here's what, that's what happens when you limit things to your level of understanding instead of trusting in the greatness of our God. God's grace, blessing those who are rebelling against him. What's amazing to me is they're in this mess because of their own rebellion. And then God's gonna take them out because of his grace. We don't even see, I, I don't see any, I don't see anybody repenting. The only, only thing I saw was the king being mad at God. And then the king wanted to kill God's prophet. And then God, by his grace, even as they continue in the rebellion, even as they have not got on their knees and cried out to the Lord, at least not recorded anywhere in the Bible that I've seen at this time, God's still going to show them grace. What a great and awesome God we serve. Amen? Amen. He gives us things that we don't deserve. Again, I love maturity. I love the confidence. And I love that we can preach the word of God with boldness. It seems impossible. Like even, it, sound, it seems like even if the Syrians all left, how would, how would we even get to another place? And how would we round up the money to buy what we need? And how would we even get back here? And it's amazing. It's hard to even imagine. But I'm so thankful they won't trust in our intellect, but in the power of Almighty God. And the king now voices his doubt. Watch what he says. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, could this thing be? If he, if he made windows in heaven, if he opened, opened up heaven and dropped it down from the sky? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now he's not going to believe that God can do it. Now, let me ask the question, has God actually opened up the sky and fed for? What's the answer? They had manna fallen from the sky when they were marching in the wilderness. Uh, God brought quail. Remember when they were crying? Now, they quail didn't out too well. But remember, they cried out for quail and God brought it. Could God just have birds dropping out of the sky and landing if he wanted to? He could have, he could have turkey dinners falling out of the sky if he wants to. I mean, he's almighty God, Amen. But he's saying, even if the windows of heaven opened up, this is impossible. 
because of his doubt, notice how quickly the judgment came. Look what it says. I want you to remember this for the end of the chapter. He said, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. You're going to see the mighty hand of God do a miraculous work, but because of your unbelief, you're not going to get to participate in it. I can think few things more tragic than being exposed to the power and the truth of the gospel and then spending eternity separated from him. I can't think of anything more tragic than that. The king's officer doubted the prophecy and his doubt was based again on some faulty premises. Here's what they are. Why do people doubt? One, they doubt the power of God. They doubt the power of God. Now, you know when your faith in God is strengthened? When you go through great trials and God shows up. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So you, you have to go through difficulty and through those difficulties, you grow. And now I've been asked again, I'm probably going to go finally go do it. You know, we're on several radio stations. One of them's KDAR and they've been wanting to go and give my testimony again. And they're going to play it live and I'm probably going to go ahead and do it. But he said, you know, when you did that last time, we had so many, because here's the reality. When you share what God, the trials of your life, and then you share how God showed up, not only is your faith strengthened, but the faith of others. Amen. That's what our testimonies do. And so when you wonder why you're going through a trial, God's growing you and he's equipping you to minister to others. Amen. But sadly, because of unbelief, he doubted the power of God. If God willed it, he certainly could do it, but he doubted it. Secondly, he doubted God's ability to do the unusual. He limited, his, uh, to, he limited himself to his level of, God's, of understanding who God is. He doesn't understand that God exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. God can do, God can take us out of a comfortable place that we had found in Calabasas and move us to a school campus and, and make this our new home. And he did it in hours. And now we're here and God knows what he's doing. Can I get an amen to that? A lot of you, if we'd been in Calabasas, I would have never met you. So I'm glad we're here. Amen. Because you were not driving over there. Amen. And then thirdly, he doubted the messenger of God. He doubted. Unbelief questions God's promises. This is a sudden thing that couldn't be true. There's no way to accomplish this. These are things unbelief says. There's only one way God can work. Unbelief says, even if God does something, it won't be enough. And so the lesson, sometimes you just can't imagine what's possible because you need to understand to your own uh, level of intelligence or intellect. For some of you, the concept that God loves you seems to be too good to be true. And sometimes we think something is impossible, but we're simply wrong. It says in Ephesians 3, Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly of all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God is greater than our finite minds can grasp or even imagine. And truly with God, all things are possible. Amen. There's a great tragedy that comes in unbelief. The power and presence of God all around you and you're missing out on the joy and the blessing and the true contentment of fellowship with the one who created you and loved you so much you'd rather die than live without you. Unbelief is tragic. And it's got eternal consequences. Unbelievers do not really enjoy the things of this life. They don't. They're always looking for something else. See, God created you and I to have a relationship with him. 
And the only way you will ever have peace is through the, prince, through the prince of peace. If you do not have a relationship with the Lord, you cannot have joy. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we see the world running amok right now, trying to find something, bring them peace. And the only answer is in this book. Can I get an amen to that? And they're trying every way under the sun. And not only that, they'll, they'll turn over to debauchery. They know it's wrong deep down. And so they'll try to make all of us agree with them that their sinful behavior is okay so they can feel better about the fact that their lives are empty because they don't have Jesus. And we need to be never arrogant or self-righteous, but love people enough to stand up for the truth. Too many men is... I'm giving all they have, even if they give everything their heart wishes, and yet there's still no peace. Still no peace. Guys, we have the answer. So point number one, God is greater than you think. We're going to see that the officer limits God while Elisha speaks boldly the truth of God. Are you somebody who boldly speaks the truth, or have you fallen into the trap of limiting God in your mind? Hey, guys, we all do it sometimes. Are there, is there somebody you prayed for for a save and you gave up? Amen. You gave up. Oh, I prayed for him 10 years. He got saved yet. Keep praying. Keep praying. Not too late yet. As long as they're breathing out, in and out. Amen. Keep praying. Point number two, don't focus on your human frailties, but on the greatness of our God. Now watch this. Now, how in the world is he going to bring the food? What is he going to do to trend? He could drop food out of the sky. He's done it before. There's precedence for it. It was their ancestors that he dropped the food on. Certainly he could do that. Maybe he'll bring another army to help. I, we don't know what's going to happen. Well, guess what? He's going to bring it about in a way that nobody, if we sat here for a, a hundred years and we all took a 10 million guesses each, we never would guess this. Because God will do things in ways we don't understand. Look at verse three. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Now, if remember that lepers were highly contagious and lepers could not get a job. They could not work. They could not provide for themselves. So they trusted entirely on the generosity of others, giving them, you know, their scraps or their leftovers, if you will. Well, guess what? When the people in the palace don't have any food, how much food do you think the lepers have? And they ran out a long time before they did. And so it's, I don't know that it's true. It's interesting that some Jewish writers believe this might be Gehazi and his sons. Remember Gehazi, who he was? Who was he? Who was he? He was Elisha's servant. But what did he do that got him leprosy? He ran after, he ran after when he, when he said, hey, we don't need anything from you, right? Leprosy. And so the man who was in the Syrian army, who was a general of the Syrian army came and he was, his leprosy was taken away and it was given to Gehazi. And there's some Jewish writers. She believed that Gehazi is one of these guys who used to be, you know, second and, you know, the servant to Elisha. And now he's by the city gate. There's no definite proof of that, but I just think it's interesting to point that out because I guess it's possible for sure. So lepers are, they're contagious. They're feared. Again, they could not work. They had to live on the generosity of others. And again, no one was throwing anything away. 
So these leprous men were in a bad situation. Now, what I want to say about this, these guys are outcasts. They have a disease that kept them in the lowest part of society. And these are most uh, most unlikely men to rescue the city, but that's about what is about to happen. It's going to be four lepers that God's going to use to rescue the city. It's amazing how God works. Amen. Leprosy in the Bible is a type or a picture of sin. It begins slowly, it eats away, and it ends in death. It mars you, it destroys you. The same thing that sin does. Leprosy is almost like an outward picture of what sin does on the inside. God can use sinners like us that have been saved and redeemed for his kingdom and for his glory. Amen. And so these outcasts and untouchables were not content to just sit there and wait until they die. You know, I've heard it said that Well, I've heard it said, I think I made it up. So I've heard it said (laughs) when I was a youth pastor that God won't steer a parked car. If you want to be used by God, get up and start doing something. Can I get an amen to that? You know, get up and trust the Lord and step out in faith and trust God to, to show you where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. Amen. When we lost our building in Calabasas, what if all the pastors had just come and and watch Netflix? Well, Lord, just drop a, drop a note out. We need to get up and start. Okay, Lord, what, what do you have for us? And making phone calls and waiting upon the Lord. And this was not even an option. And the way God brought it about through Tony Logan calling Tony Hirsch and just watching God work and seeing the hand of God. But these guys could have just sat there and waited to die. And no one would have really blamed them because even when they get up, people run from them. They're contagious. They're dying a slow death. But, but I love their heart. Guys, may we not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. I hope you're not just sitting there waiting to die. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. I hope you're not just sitting there going, well, I'm just going to wait here until the Lord, I'm just going to be in my recliner eating chips till the Lord comes back or until he takes me home. I'm just going to, I'm just going to just retire right here. Guys, I pray that we don't do that. Amen. And watch what they do. I love this. If we say we will enter the city, the famine's in the city. We shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. Dude, we're going to die anyway. Let's go down swinging. Let's do something. Amen. The results are in. One out of every one person dies. Until we get raptured, amen? But here's the reality. We have a vapor of time to serve the Lord. And, you know, it is appointed for man once to live and then to die and then the judgment. So the reality is we're all going to die. Our time on this planet is limited. How in the world should we be spending it? And again, certainly, it's, you know, that he came to a man of life and life more abundant. He, I, I know the Lord is blessed when we love on our families, when we spend time together, when we go to work and we work hard. But when this time has come and passed, what we've done for Christ will last. And everything else, a lot of what we invest in is wood, hay, and stubble and won't matter in eternity. I've been on the deathbed with many people. Pastors get called. It's a blessing to be a pastor because you get to enjoy the, the great highlights of life. But you're also there for the greatest difficulties of life. You get to do weddings and funerals. You get to see people come to the Lord. And then you get to be in the hospital when somebody's suffering and hurting or someone walks away. 
And so we get those, you know, it's a, you get to see more of what happens in people's lives. But here's the reality is that we have this vapor of time and God's given us talents. And what are we doing with them? Are we sitting and waiting to die? We put the talents in the ground so we can give it back to him when he gets back. Hey, you gave it to me. I made sure I didn't lose it. Here you go, Lord. You know, the parable of the talents in scripture. But these guys are like, look, we're going to die. So we all just sit here or well, go in the city. They won't let us in and they're all starving. Anyway. So let's go, let's go see what the Syrians are up to. Now, even though they're just figuring they have nothing to lose, it's going to be clear that God is moving in the hearts of these lepers because we're going to see what happens when they step out. And if they had not had this, you know, this thought that comes from the Lord to go down there, the whole city would have missed out. Watch what happens. But can I encourage you? Don't fall into the trap of just sitting around. Sometimes we do when our circumstances are overwhelming. We get paralyzed with fear. We end up doing nothing. Uh, get up and go. Go do something. Amen? Amen? That's how I felt about the whole coronavirus. I had pastors bagging on me like you can't believe calling me up. You don't care about your people. I care about my people. I care about the Lord and I care about their eternity. Can I get amen to that? And if people want to stay home, they certainly can, and that's okay. But you know what? I just, I'm not going to sit here and wait until the government says we can start preaching Jesus again, because that may never happen. Amen? So we can't do that. Don't sit on your hands and wait for, wait for, wait for approval from Gavin Newsom. Amen? We want to honor the Lord. We want to step out in faith and do what God tells us to do. What's the worst thing that can happen if you step out in faith for the Lord? What's the worst thing that can happen? What could happen? You could die. Can't threaten me with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? You step out, you die, you're in God's presence, and you don't have to be here anymore. So hallelujah. Can I get an amen to that? So why would we wait? Why would we sit in our hands? Why are we doing nothing? Help us, Lord. This isn't even a biblical quote. I never quote these, but uh, Theodore Roosevelt wrote this. I read this a long time ago. It says, the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Actually, I take that back. I think Teddy Roosevelt was saved. Whose face is marred by sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because uh, there's no effort without error and shortcoming, uh, who knows, and shortcomings, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotion, spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, or at worst, if he fails, at least he failed while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who've never tasted victory or defeat. I like that. See, if you don't step out, you may not taste defeat, but you're absolutely not going to taste victory. And here's the reality, bless her, you when that revile and persecute you. So even the defeats in standing for the, up for the things of God are blessed by God. Amen. Show me somebody in the Bible used my somebody who suffered greatly. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray daily to be used. Pray for divine appointments. Ask God to stir up the gifts he's given you. Be available, not giving up or putting your life in cruise control. Guys, we can all pray. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. We can all pray. You know, the lady that led our prayer group in Santa Cruz, and I mean, was serious about it, was going blind. And she was a single woman who was struggling financially. And she when I was in a coma, I found this out later when I was in the hospital for nine months, 
she went to our church and there was somebody in the chapel 24 hours a day, seven days a week while I was in the hospital praying for me. And, and it, was, it was a Catholic hospital, Dominican hospital. And eventually the priest came by my room after I woke up from my coma and he goes, I don't know who in the world is inspiring that many people. to." And what a, what a testimony that is, amen? And you could say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I have physical problems and I can't really see and what can I do? And do you know that she still texts me every week and tells me she loves me, she's praying for me? And she prays for you guys? And everybody else sit, we sit in our hands. I'm too busy. If you're too busy for God, you got stuff you got to let go of. Amen. Being available, not giving up or putting your life on cruise control. Again, body's incomplete without you. Verse five. Now watch. Like, well, if we sit here, we're going to die anyway. If they kill us, they kill us. We're going to die anyway. Verse five. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, what does it say? No one's there. Where do they go? We don't know how long ago they left. Amen. See, the people were afraid and they're hiding out. Waiting for the all clear from Newsom and it doesn't come. Amen. And they're waiting and they're waiting and somebody goes outside and goes down to the Syrian camp. Dude, they're all gone. They're not even here anymore. What a beautiful thing. Now, if these guys had never stepped out, they could all starve to death, hiding from an enemy that wasn't there. Amen? We can be so afraid that something bad's going to happen to us that we just sit and we wait and we cower and we, you know, First Timothy, I was so blessed we were in First Timothy during COVID, you know, First and Second Timothy, because Paul's in prison about to be beheaded and, he's, and Christians are being fed to lions. Timothy, hey, hide in the cave, bro, till it goes over, till, till it's over. He said, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind. He said, forsake not to gather yourselves together. All more Guys, let's be, let's be about it, amen? For the kingdom of God and for his glory. Let's have an eternal perspective. Their simple action was magnified by God far beyond what they could have dreamed of. They never thought, well, we'll just go down there. Everybody will be gone and we'll rescue the whole city. I guarantee that was Nowhere in their thought process. And I think about people that I've been exposed to in my life who take a small step of faith and it goes far beyond anything they could have imagined. And again, not just because he's Calvary Chapel, but I always think of Pastor Chuck. How many of you guys know who Chuck Smith is? Okay, he's a, God used him to found Calvary Chapel. But all, everybody always thinks, oh, well, there's 3,000 Calvary Chapels. What, what thing did he do? Well, what happened was he was in a denomination where he taught topically, he only had a hundred messages. So every two years, find a new church because he taught him everything he had. When you teach topics, you run out. Amen. Amen. When you teach through the whole counsel of God, you'll never run out. Amen? Amen. So he wanted to start teaching verse by verse and his elder people won't stand for that. So he left and he was going to go into the grocery business and just be a businessman. And then he found this little tiny church that was dying, about to fold, had about 25 people in it, and they wanted him to come be the pastor. So I'll be your pastor if you let me teach verse by verse through the Bible. And they're like, we're going to die anyway, right? Here we go. <laughs> right? We're going to die anyway. We might as well die trying something. Come on down. He starts teaching verse by verse through the Bible to these five people in this little place that just happened to be called Calvary Chapel. And out of that, 
the whole Jesus movement came and the ministry to all the hippies. And the first time I went to Calvary Chapel, I was, uh, I was, I think, seven years old. And I went into the tent and there were thousands of people in there and all these hippies were doing this and people were barefooted and people were getting saved. And it was one of those power. And I was used to bringing in the sheaves. I walked in there and, and, and mustard seed faith was leading worship with electric guitars and people were barefoot at church and writing in their Bible. I didn't know you could do that. Amen. And I just, I was just blown away. And pastor Chuck came out and talked for two hours and 15 minutes. So next time you think I talk a lot, think about pastor Chuck. Can I get an amen? But he'd get up and teach and we're sitting there and he has an altar call and 70 people go forward. And all these people get saved. That's on a Tuesday. What? But it all started when he said, okay, I'll go take this little tiny church that's dying. And I'm just going to teach him verse by verse. There's no way in the world he could have imagined all that God was going to do. And guys, if you'll take that little step of faith, obey God, whatever he's calling you to do in a simple way, there's no way you, we can have any idea of how much God can actually do. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. So they went down to the camp and nobody's there. So this encampment was like a city of its own. You got to understand they're encamped around the city and they're there for months. So they had to have their own food supplies and everything else. And we're going to see in the verses, they left in a hurry. And it may have happened just then, but somehow they hear chariots and armies coming that aren't there. Can our God do that? Yes. Okay. He may have just actually opened their eyes to the reality that there are chariots and angels and armies like with Gehazi and Elisha. Amen. And these guys ran for their lives so fast. They left all their food. They left all their animals and they left all their tools. And so when these guys were starving to death, I admit, there might've still been hot stuff cooking on I don't know, right? And they walk in like, this is working out, amen? They just stepped out, went down, and God showed up in a mighty way, amen? I just so love this picture. Their simple action was magnified by God far beyond what they could have ever imagined. Our God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we hope or think. Again, lepers had no real plan. They just showed up, and God did the rest, there's a, there's a tape that I'm going to have our assistants listen to that we all had to listen to when we served under Don McClure. And we just called it the tape because it was pretty ominous. And it was basically about the, what, is, what, is thought, what is expected of an assistant pastor. And the first thing was be present. Show up. Amen. Show up. And not once in a while, all the time, show up. Amen. And be there. Nice. If we want to see God move, show up. You want to see God use you? Step out and let him use you. Get out of your comfort zone. And when you pray, God will do exceedingly abundantly by what you could ask or think. Look at verse six. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they heard the noises. Word of God tells us. Could God have magnified the feet of the four lepers? <laughs> They're walking down and makes it sound like chariots, right? God can do that. But they heard it. They were overwhelmed by it, and it scared them half to death. It says, and they looked at one another and said, look, the king of Israel is hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. 
You plus God is a majority. Amen? The lepers showed up. God showed up in a powerful way on their behalf. Whether it was actually angelic host or how, where the noise came from, we don't know. But God brought fear into them to the point where they ran away. The Bible talks about, you know, one man can chase a thousand. You see in scripture, one godly man will stand up and a, a thousand will run. Four weak and starving lepers plus God is greater than a Syrian army. Guess what? The siege is over just like that. Siege is over. Now the people under siege don't know that. And you know what? Here's the reality. Sin has been defeated. But most people don't know that. Can I get an amen? amen? It was defeated at the cross. We've been cleansed. We've been forgiven. The sad part is there's so many that still are hiding under siege and don't understand that they can be forgiven, that the price has been paid. And guys, we're the messengers. Now the Syrians are there. Now, do you think the Syrians, I mean the Syrians, the lepers. Now, can you imagine being the lepers and it, there might've been at least a little moment. We're going to talk about this as we go through the verses. Well, you know, they always gave us the scraps. <laughs> and then we're looking out for us. Why we got to be looking out for them. And look at all this food for four people. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely <laughs> could have justified in their mind. Where's that rich, where's that rich king dude? He used to throw us a scrap of bread every once a month. Where, where are you at now, bro? And he's over there eating a sandwich. You know what I mean? They could have so just been selfish. And watch what happens. I just love it. The seas is over. The lepers knew, but the people of Samaria were still under terror and desperation of bondage. They're free. Bondage is over. They didn't know it. Like the world, freedom is available in Jesus. And they're still bound by sin and death because they've not surrendered their lives to the Lord. They left the camp intact. They, even, they left everything behind. They were in such fear that they just ran off. Verse eight and nine. Look what it says. Verse eight. They fled for their lives and said, and when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent. I guess so. You haven't eaten in months. You're starving or you've been, you know, fighting over, you know, scraps and it carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some of it from there also and went and hid it. So at least in the beginning, they're thinking, I'm just keeping all the stuff. Because they're getting the, they're, they're probably, eat, I can just see them eating a, you know, eating a leg of a chicken or walking along, grabbing gold. It's buried right over here. You know? What else they got? Oh, this bread's good. I and mean, they're just eating, you know, having a great time. They're burying the gold. You know? and, but watch, that's what we can do too. See, sometimes when the Lord has come into our life, we can be so selfish just to recognize how blessed we are and not take the time to think about the people. Can I get an amen to that? To recognize all that God has done for us, but he desires to do for them as well. See, God didn't chase the Syrians away just for the four lepers. He did it for everyone in the city. Amen. And by the way, none of them deserved it, but neither do we. Amen. So point number two, don't focus on your human frailties, but on the greatness of our God. 
May we not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. Ask God to stir up the gifts he's given you. And in the midst of your overwhelming circumstances, again, we can get paralyzed by fear, but get up and go do something. Step out in faith and watch what the Lord can do. So these guys could have just sat there. They would have missed it. If they just decided just to lay in the sun and do nothing, they would have missed out on everything that the Lord was going to do. Point number three, verse nine through 11. Don't keep the good news to yourself. Now watch what happens to these men. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come let us go and tell the king's household. So they're sitting there, they're enjoying it, but then they're convicted. This is a day of good news and we remain silent. You should underline that in your Bible because the word good news, there's a word for good news that we use. What's the word? the gospel. We have the gospel, but we remain silent. They have the good news, but they're remaining silent. We have the truth that the world so desperately needs. We have the antidote to the death serum. We have the cure for the, sin, the, the cancer of sin. And how dare we remain silent? I, you know, and my sins all washed away, but too bad for everyone else. And there's conviction that comes into the heart of these lepers. God didn't save us to be selfish. They begin to be convicted. It's not wrong to enjoy the credible blessing God provided. You know, all who are thirsty come to me and drink, the Bible says. They quickly realized it was wrong to keep it to themselves. You know, it's true that we need to feed upon the word of God so we can share it with others, but we are called to share the good news. Jesus changed our lives. He reached out to outcasts and broken people and made us new creations in him. We've been given the miracle prescription for the human race and we can't either sit on it or not share it. Can I get an amen to that? We just can't do it. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, for I preach the gospel I have nothing to boast of for the necessity is laid upon me. Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. They enjoyed the miracle God had provided, but they also realized that the gift that was given to them was meant to be shared with others. The gift that Jesus gave to you is meant to be shared with others. Amen. I know I'm driving this home, but I think we need to hear it. So they feast first. They got some strength back. Do you think that their walk back might've been different than the walk out? They're going out as lepers. These guys might kill us. We can take our time if we want. <laughs> and they get down there. No one's there. Now they've been eating. They're eating food. They got great news. I have an idea. They're going back. And what's amazing is they're not. Do you think that the lepers are going to be ushered into the king? What do you think? They're still lepers. So they're only going to talk to the people that they have access to talk to. And I believe that's true for us, right? I may not have an audience with President Biden to tell him about Jesus, but I can certainly talk to all my coworkers and all my neighbors and the Hare Krishna dude out in front of Target in downtown LA. Can I get an amen? There are opportunities and we, you know, we just need to be faithful where we are with the people that God has placed in front of us and pray for those that maybe are out of our reach. Now watch what happens in verse 10. So they went and called the gatekeepers of the city and told them saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly, no one's there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied in the tents intact. 
So the gatekeepers would be the ones that would interact with the lepers. They had them at a distance and they would take scraps and throw them down to them. So these were people they would interact with. And so they go to the gatekeeper and tell them the story that's both amazing, but also maybe hard to believe. And now the gatekeepers have a choice. What do they do with this good news? Verse 11, and the gatekeepers called out and told it to the king's household inside. So they partaken of the blessing of God. They've been nourished. They've been fed. They're blown away by the miracle God performed. They don't keep it to themselves. but now that they know that it's true, I guarantee it. When you read verse uh, uh, 10, they're not wishy-washy about it. Amen. We went to the Syrian, dude, they're not there. They're all gone. There was nothing there. Horses and donkeys, they're all gone. The whole camp's there. The food's laying out all over the place. There's a little less golden when we got there, but there's stuff, there's stuff laying. <laughs> I won't tell you about that part. But it's all laying, right? And so guys, you know what? When you've experienced it, when you know it's true, you don't him hard telling other people about it. Amen. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ, God, raise your hand. Do you believe that he died on the cross? Do you believe he's risen from the dead? Do you believe he's coming back? Do you believe this is the inerrant word of God? Because we believe it, we shouldn't be shy about it. And we shouldn't have to apologize for it. Can I get an amen to that? I got fired up talking to the Hare Krishna guy today. What can I tell you? <laughs> but, but the reality is, guys, we have it. We have the truth. And the enemy wants us to be so caught up in everything else that we miss out. I'm being used for the kingdom of God. If you partake of it first, if you know it to be true, you know, the word to know, it's to know by experience, right? We don't just know about it. We know we've been there. We've walked with the Lord. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Amen. And we should not keep it to ourselves. Now watch what happens. So the king, point number four here, God fulfills a promise in unexpected ways. So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. Therefore, they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, come out of the city, we'll catch them alive and get into the city. So here's what happens. You get told the best news you could possibly hear in a famine when you're being besieged that the enemy's gone and there's food laying out there and we could go eat right now. And then there's always that person who says, I don't believe it. I just think it's a trick. We're going to go out there and kill us all. By the way, he needs to have the same attitude as leopards have. You're dying anyway, bro. You might as well go. Can I get an amen to that? You're dying of starvation. What, what's the option to stay in there? What's, what's the upside of that? So he hears the good news, but he is, he's not believing it. We've all shared the good news of the gospel with people who have a hard time believing it. Amen? Maybe it was you. Before you gave your life to the Lord, it just sounded too good to be true. It sounded too simple. You didn't have to work for it. It was given by grace. And maybe you struggled even receiving that free gift. His reaction as a king is that he's afraid if he goes down that he may be taken captive. To some degree, it makes a little bit of sense. Okay, we need to test and find out for sure if this is true. Guys, it's okay for us to test the word of God because it is true. Amen? It's okay to 
tested historically, scientifically, prophetically, any way you want to. It's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. We don't believe in spite of the evidence, that's superstition, amen? The word of God is true, we can stand by it. 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years and one central theme, it's only possible because God wrote it, amen. Let's finish up. Verse 14. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses. Did I do 13? No, I didn't. And one of the servants answered and said, please let several men take five of the remaining horses, which are left. You know why there's not very many horses left? They've been eating them. Let's take five of the remaining horses. Look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say they may become like all the multitudes who are left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. So they, they may have all vanished, or maybe they were all starving. Let's go find out what's really down there. Let's send out, let's spy out the land. Let's send some people down to check it out and find out what's actually happening. Verse 14, therefore they took two chariots with horses and the king sent them into the direction of the Syrian army saying, go and see. Verse 15, and they went after them to the Jordan and indeed all the road was full of garments and weapons. The Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. So they went down and the, the word of God that had been delivered to them, hundred percent accurate. Amen. They were told that they all ran. Now they have even more detail. Yeah, we went even further. We had chariots. We weren't walking, right? We had chariots. And guess what? We saw weapons. They were throwing their clothes off. They were scared half to death. You know why? Because God made them flee. Amen? God is for us who can be against us again. Amen? See it throughout scripture. Gideon's mighty army. You know, when, when we get down to the place where we know we can't do it on our own, then God gets all the credit. Amen? Amen. And so they go down and they come back with even greater detail. Dude, they're gone. Not only are they gone, they were running because they threw weapons on the ground. They left their clothes on the ground. All the food's still there. The encampment's still there. They all left. So he's been given the word of the prophet who said by tomorrow, you'll be able to buy food, you know, for a small amount of money at the gate of the city, told that, didn't believe it. Then the lepers went and came back and told him what happened. He still wasn't so sure. So now his own men have gone down and told him what they have seen. And the people went out, verse 16, and plundered the tents of the, Syri of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. So verse one, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord, and exactly what the Lord said happens 15 verses later, amen? God said it and it happened. And there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in scripture where God says it and it happens. And there are prophecies still yet to come in the end time that God said it, and we know it's going to happen. Amen. And there are promises that have been made that we haven't personally experienced where God said it, and we can trust and know that it's going to happen. God said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. So we can know that when we close our eyes on earth, we're going to open them up in glory. 
Guys, we should live every day in light of the promises that we have in Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. And it should keep us from sitting on the sideline on our hands doing nothing. And it should give us boldness and a a fearlessness because God has not given us his spirit of fear. Amen? What's the worst that can happen to us? We get sent to heaven early and it won't be early. It'll be right on time because God already knew. Can I get an amen to that? Bible rocks. Amen? When the people learned the truth, they responded. See, it's one thing to say you believe and another thing to act on it. Amen? They'd heard about it, but once somebody else went down, they had more news that it was true. It wouldn't take me 15 witnesses if I'm starving and I heard this In-N-Out burger on the outskirts of town. I'd be out there. Can I get an amen to that? But once they heard, boy, they went because they were starving. And there was an answer. Guys, here's the reality. I'll never forget this. I went to Russia many times in the early 90s. I went every year from 93 to 2000. And one of the trips when I went, Billy Graham came to Russia. Now the wall had just come down down in in Moscow. They were some of the first Americans to ever be on that, you know, to come in, in groups like that. They gave us the ability to go in schools and preach the gospel. We handed out Bibles, Russian Bibles. It was amazing. And there were signs everywhere that just simply said, a man talks to people about God and had a picture of Billy Graham. And it was going to be in the stadium that was where, when we boycotted the Olympics and didn't go, this huge, massive Olympic stadium was there. And all the Russians were saying that nobody's going to show up, that they're spending all this time and money and nobody's going to come to that because, you know, they were raised with during the, the worst years, good morning class, there is no God. The mother Russia was God. So here's a man going to talk to people about that. So we go to, the, if you guys know who Terry Clark is, I was with Terry Clark and Ray Bentley, another pastor, and uh, Matt Noakes was the catcher of the Yankees. And we're there and we're going to schools. And then we went to the, to the stadium and three hours before it started, you could not get in. It was packed. And we were standing off to the side and we saw people standing out in the snow listening on loudspeakers. And they were as far as you can see. We tried to trade places. Can four of them come in and we go, and we're already saved. Can we go out there? If we open that gate, it'll be a mess. And we went every night. And I remember sitting up the second night, I was sitting up on the, my interpreter and we were looking down. And when he gave the altar call, they ran. I literally competed to get saved. See, they, they found out they've been starving spiritually and they found out that there's a place can be fed spiritually, be redeemed where they can be forgiven. And they ran and my interpreter, this 20 year old girl was sitting next to me. She had given her life to the Lord years before. And she said, I could have never imagined God doing something like this. See when God's working and when God shows us the truth and gives us the thing that we're longing for. These people are running out to get food. And guys, we ought to be running toward the Lord. People, when we recognize that Jesus is the answer, amen? Amen. I want to see that revival in our country. It's not too late, amen? We see belief and then we see behavior. They went and tasted and saw, they went back and told. And then everything that God said would happen. And it was 100% accurate. God's never 99% accurate, Amen. You know, call a prophet who's wrong one time. What do you call him? A false prophet. Joseph Smith, false prophet. Can I get an amen? Amen. Final verses, point number five, the price of unbelief. Look what it says. Verse 17. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned 
to have charge of the gate. Now, I think this is ironic because this is the guy who said, it's impossible. Yeah. If God opened the sky, it couldn't happen. And I almost wonder if the king knew and said, dude, you can go stand down by the gate and watch those people running down there and coming back with bags of food, right? So he's down at the gate, but watch what happens. Remember what happened when he said he did? Let's go back to the verse. What does it say there in verse, verse two? He said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So there's food, you're just not getting any of it because you don't believe. You're not going to get to taste and see. Amen? Now watch what happens. But the people trampled him at the gate and he died. Just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So he did not believe what the prophet had told him. He said it was impossible. He told him he would get to see the blessing of it, but not taste, taste it. In Luke 17, you see the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Luke 16, Luke 7, Luke 16. You see the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man is in torment. And he looks across a great gulf and he can see the, the beggar. Rich man's in hell and the beggar's in Abraham's bosom as before Jesus died on the cross. And he could see and he could remember his family and go tell my family. See, his doubt, he was allowed to see the blessing of God, but he was not able to taste of it. See, this guy, because he did not believe, was going to miss out entirely on the blessing of God. And in fact, it resulted in his death. And death, if you don't know the Lord, separates you from him for all eternity. And then it says there, so it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two sea of barley for a shekel and a sea of flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. Then the officer had answered the man of God and said, now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him for the people trampled him in the gate and he died. The price of unbelief, God's word is true. God's word is true. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. Amen. If you ever go on social media at all, I'm not recommending it necessarily. But if you do, people find out I'm a pastor, they love to attack you and say, you really believe in that spaghetti monster up in the sky? And, you know, I believe in science. And, you know, and they make you, they, they just, they're so arrogant. It's so tragic. And then when you have a backbone, you kind of have, you know, the ability to discuss things with them. They mock your faith, but then they kind of get quiet. Well, here's the sad part is there's nothing new under the sun. The word of God is true. And both in its prophetic proclamation and in God's grace and blessings, the promises of righteous judgment upon those who choose not to believe. So the promises of heaven for those who will believe is true. And the promise of God's righteous judgment upon unbelief is true. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You'll either spend eternity in God's presence or eternity separated from him. That's the word of God. Amen. And there's only one way to heaven. It's only through Jesus. So all of us will either have a heavenly reward or torment in hell. And guys, there's no middle ground. You're not, you can't be kind of saved. There is no purgatory. It's appointed for man once to live and then to die and then the judgment. I pray that not anyone in this room or anybody watching on live stream or anybody who hears this later would spend eternity in hell. Guys, we only go to hell by choosing to go there. Amen. 
Salvation is offered universally, must be accepted individually. He desires that none should perish, no, not one. And how selfish would we have to be to have the promise of eternal life and walk by thousands every day who are headed for hell and not even tell them the truth? Lord, help us. Can I get an amen to that? We all do it, don't we? Can I get an amen to that? Lord, help us. This man did not benefit from the work of God because he didn't believe it was possible. And our, our, our salvation works that way. We only enjoy it if we believe it. If you don't believe it, you miss out on all that God has done for, for you. It says in, close with this, it says in Mark 9, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with his tears, Lord, help. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, that's a fair prayer. Can I get him into that? Lord, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me not to be satisfied with kind of believing. Lord, get me to a place, help me to believe more. Increase my faith more. Who needs greater faith? Can you raise your hand? Me too. Can I get amen to that? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the warnings we've seen, the exhortations we've seen in tonight's text. Lord, you can use lepers. You can use us. To use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Lord, you are greater than we think. We can't even imagine. We can't, our minds can't wrap around how great you are. And we can't wait to see just your greatness when we get to heaven. Give us a greater understanding of how great you truly are. Help us not to focus on where we fall short, but how great you are. Put our faith not in ourselves and our weakness and think that we're impossible for you to use us, but Lord, to trust in you. Help us not to keep the good news to ourselves. Lord, it's so selfish. We all do it. We all get caught up so much in our own lives that we don't take the time to share our faith, to encourage people, to tell the truth to those who desperately need to hear it. We thank you, Lord, that you fulfill your promises in ways that we don't even expect. Again, I'm reminded of Pastor Chuck just taking a church of 25 people and faithfully teaching them the word. And boy, you did exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. And Lord, we pray you do that here for your glory and your praise and your honor. And then finally, Lord, we do pray that you would keep us from unbelief and that we would recognize the price of unbelief for others and it would stir us up to be unashamed of the gospel. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray and all God's people said, Amen.